Hello and welcome to another episode of the His and Hers Boxing Podcast. My name is Lee Costello and as always joined by Neve Campbell. Hello everybody. So today we have a very special guest, like we do most weeks. Um, this guy is actually, this is the last, am I right in saying, the last live boxing show we went and seen was this fella? Yeah, in yeah. the Celtic Clash in the Devonish in Belfast. In the Devon, um, yeah, that's right. It was like the end of January. Start of February, I think. Uh, I remember not. Last. Dr- I remember not drinking at it because we were sort of doing our own training and stuff as well, and I was trying to be good. But if I had known it was going to be the last boxing show I'd be at <laughs> for the foreseeable future, uh, I think I would have went all out. He no, I think it's because we were also doing dry January. Is it in January? It was, it was, a, it was definitely. The, he, might have been like literally the first of February. Anyway, he headlined it, and of course he won, and he is going to be fighting in week three of Eddie Hearn's big um, fight camp that's coming back mm-hmm. and he is Eric Lillywhite Lightning Donovan from Kildare he is 12-0 and 0 with 7 KOs in his amateur career he has 5 Irish elite titles and a bronze medal at the 2010 European Championships in Moscow and then since turning pro he became the first boxer to win the BUA Celtic title inside 5 fights which is like obviously a really great um, mm-hmm. feat in itself he, uh, he came to the professional ranks quite late, didn't he? Yeah, I think he was 31. 31, and he's coming 35 now as mm-hmm. of recording. But um, he'll discuss all about that in his podcast. He has had a really interesting life, talks about alcohol, drugs, getting back on track. Um, the fact that he has come into the, the pro ranks um, quite late. I don't like saying that because it sounds quite, like not offensive, but, but a lot yeah. of people would consider it quite late. Yeah, conventionally late. Yeah, you know, yeah. He would typically go a little bit earlier and stuff, but now he's got his big break. Uh, and it's in Eddie's back garden, but he'll explain that all himself. So without further ado, Eric Donovan. First and foremost is the big news. You know, you're going to be fighting in Eddie's back garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How lucky am I, yeah? <laughs> it's a lot more glamorous than it sounds. I know, I'm, I'm completely underselling it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's really gas, isn't it? Like when you think about it, like it's um, Eddie's backyard, huh? Backyard scrap, like, you know, it's just uh, it's mad, all right. But no, um, it actually looks the part, you know. Mm-hmm. It's in the backdrop of a, you know, um, big mansion. And uh, it's just incredible. I think it's very picturesque. And um, it's definitely going to be a unique, a, a unique situation and uh, unprecedented uh, kind of an experience you know what I, you know what I mean and I'm just really happy to be part of it are you excited like are you nervous or obviously the public you know there were talks about it and there were rumors but when did you actually find out that it was going to happen yeah I kind of knew about a week before the official announcement so uh, well maybe a week maybe two weeks uh, I knew negotiations were going on a, maybe probably a couple of weeks before the announcement but about a week out about one week out or five days out or something like that, I knew for sure it was going to happen. But you know, with the precarious nature of boxing, you never really do know it's official till it's official, you know? So, um, no, I, I was just really glad then when it was announced because I could kind of breathe a sigh of relief and say like, yes, I've, you know, finally after a lot of the hard graft and a lot of, um, a lot of hard work, time and effort over the last four years. It was almost four years to the day that I made my professional debut actually. Um that I got the that I got the official news, you know, the announcement that, you know, I'm gonna fight for a world ranking title uh live on Sky Sports against a very 
uh, formidable point and uh, and and a, a seasoned professional. And it's my time. It's my it's my opportunity. I believe that I'm I deserve to be there. And I've worked very very hard to get myself into this position. So all of that accum- accumulates into me having this opportunity and. It's up to me now to go out and uh, deliver, and I will deliver, and uh, and I will push on and hopefully go on to bigger and better things. But uh, I'm not taking my eyes off the prize at all. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, Zafa Baretti is no joke. Um, have you already started? You know, obviously you started preparing for him, but like in him especially. I mean, he's such an awkward sort of fighter. How do you how do you plan on without giving too much away? How do you plan on taking him out? Yeah, no, I, I didn't have to go looking. I always knew who Salfa Barrett was. You know, he's like, as I said, he's a formidable opponent. He's a, he's a class operator. I actually really, uh, really enjoy watching him. Um, uh, uh, you know, you know, any time uh, I've sat at home and watched uh, Sky Sports fight nights, I would have been a, I would have been a fan. I would have been a fan of, of Salfa Barrett because I like his style. I like his, um, I like, uh, I like how he performs and, and he's exciting. You know, he's exciting, you know, and, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, I always, I always wondered, you know, not wondered, but I always, I always longed to be there. I always longed to be on the stage that these guys were on. And, you know, I, I often wondered, would I ever get there? Um, not, and I knew it would never be about, um, for a lack of trying, because um, <clears throat> I work very, very hard. But you just need the breaks and you need people to kind of give you that break, to, to give you the breaks as well and open the doors for you. Um, and now finally I have that chance, you know, and, um, you know, he's a talented fighter. I'm a talented fighter. Talent meets talent. You're going to have a flash of lightning, you know, <laughs> the, bra- the brown flash versus the lily white lightning. So, <laughs> lightning. so um, uh, it's going to be exciting. The, the, the fans are going to really, well, I know there's no fans allowed in, spectators allowed on site, but the, the, the TV viewers and the fans at home are going to be the winners. Um, they're going to be spoiled. No, absolutely. Um, there hasn't been a lot of uh, positives that came out of lockdown and things like that. But is is this? Would you say this is sort of came as a result of, you know, quarantine, lockdown, and then this sort of uh, what is it? Eddie's fight camps, the four in a row. I had like know? propelled it along. Yeah. Do you, like, do you think you would have got the opportunity? Obviously, yeah. Like you work hard and you're already talented. Um, but do you think this opportunity would have presented itself if not for the circumstances we're in now? Um, great question. I think the the reason that I've got this opportunity is down to one man, and that's the I made a managerial switch a couple of months back, just mm-hmm. before the lo- the lockdown, and I switched uh, uh, and signed a uh, co- signed managerial uh, contract with um, Mark Dunlop uh, from Belfast, and yeah. Mark, Mark. Yeah, so Mark Dunlop is. He's an incredible manager. He has delivered for James Tennyson, for Thomas McCarthy, mm-hmm. for um, uh, Paul Hyland Jr., uh, Ronnie Clark, the only man to actually beat Selfa Barrett, was managed by Mark Dunlop. Uh, so I knew that Mark had great connections in, the, in, the, in, in, in professional boxing, and I just needed somebody to take me to the next level. And mm-hmm. Mark was the man... So I always knew I was going to get there. I just didn't think it was going to be as quick. So um, Mark, has, Mark, you know, he's delivered. And uh, he has stepped up to the plate. And now I'm going to repay him 
with a fantastic performance on the 14th of August. Buzzing. And taking you way back then, Eric, from uh, where we are now, but way back to whenever you actually first started boxing as an amateur, um, talk us through that story. Like, What got you into boxing to begin with? Where was your first boxing club? Oh, well, I was, I was a little rebellious, mischievous kid that just was this ball of energy, always looking for mischief and always getting into, into trouble. And um, I, like I, I grew up in a, I have a big family. I've come up from one of, one of six children as the third youngest. And my two older brothers, I remember, I remember they joined the local boxing club and, and my mother was totally against me going down. She said, you better not go near that club now. It was only outside the estate that we grew up on. She she was like it's boxing's too rough and you're too small and you know don't go near there and I was only seven but sure of course I obviously went against the advice as I saw so often did as a young kid and I followed my two older brothers down and and I never forget the first time I walked into the club I I um I just fell in love with it straight away the noise the smell the atmosphere just it was incredible really and um. I, I, but I actually started swinging out of the bag. I jumped up and started swinging out of the punch bag before I started boxing it. Um, I had my legs and arms wrapped around it like a little monkey and I was swinging from side to side. And uh, the coach, the head coach, let such a roar at me, I nearly fell off the bag with the fright. <laughs> and to punish me, he told me to get into this like makeshift ring, which only had like ropes coming from a wall, you know? Mm-hmm. This is around 1992, so around the year Barcelona Olympics. And uh, so... It was a makeshift ring, and he told me to get the gear on. I put the gear on. I was a rugged old, torn and worn old boxing equipment, like you know. And I put it on anyway. But straight away, his plan to punish me backfired, and I just, I just took to this boxing like I took the water, and I was slipping, rolling, ducking, diving. And he, he spoke to my mother, and he said, you know, allow, you know, I think you should allow him to come back down, you know, um, because he definitely has something there. And and it was from that point that I just really. Fell in love with boxing and never stopped going. Did you know, like, did you always have that sort of motivation in your head that you wanted to eventually be professional someday? Because I know, like, um, in societal terms, like, you've turned professional, um, what some people may consider late. late. Yeah, Mm. um, you're 31. But did you always think as a kid, you know, oh, this is what I'm going to do? Or did you have, um, because obviously you have such a great career as an amateur, Five Irish League yeah. titles and, and a bronze medal, a uh, bronze European medal. Uh, were the Olympics ever a goal, or was it always just sort of like, no, I know one day I'm gonna go professional? Yeah, the Olympics was always the goal. Professional was never really, even though I was a fan of professional boxing. I always grew up uh, watching professional boxing. I was a fan of so many fighters, um, but the amateur game was just um, <clears throat> an area that I really excelled in, and I had a style for especially when I grew up, most of my amateur career was on the old computer scoring system. And um, I had a really very good technical style for that type of boxing. Um, and then, you know, I lost my way in life a little bit throughout later on in my career. And uh, I kind of, I, you just would not know what kind of Eric Donovan would turn up. You know, I, 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 I was struggling with a lot of issues, personal issues and stuff. And, I'd, I had an incredible amount of talent and, and, and ability, but I just wasn't honouring that talent and ability with hard work. And I was getting away with it, you know, probably at certain times in my life. But when I got to the big, when I got to the big leagues and the big stages, I was getting found out and, you know, I was getting beat and, you know, 
in 2010, I, I got my, kind of got my shit together and, and I said, right, that's it now. I'm, I'm done with, I'm done with being a kind of a mediocre kind of a, I'm, I'm done with giving mediocre attempts to my training and everything. I'm going to go and put everything I have into this. And, and in 2010, I kind of won, won the national championships, got best boxer of the, of the seniors of the whole competition, then boxed the world champion, Valentino, the reigning world champion, and beat him. Then went to the Europeans in Moscow, won a bronze medal, got beaten, won three fights, and then got beaten in my fourth fight against the only man to ever beat Lomachenko, Alberto Salimov. Um, well, the only man to beat him in the amateur career. Yeah. And uh, the Russian. And, um, and I came home with a bronze medal. And now I was in pole position to qualify for London Olympics. And because in 2011, I would have been seeded now. I was in the top 10 in the world and number three in Europe. And what did I do? I fell back into my old habits and my old ways. And I got, in 2011, not long before we were due to go for the training camp for the qualifiers, I went out one night and got into a bit of a, a bit of a tussle at a house party and broke my left hand. Um, absolute devastation. So, uh, that was kind of like the end of my Olympic dreams at that point. Um, a bit of ill-discipline, a bit, a moment of madness. Uh, that's just something I have to live with for the rest of my life. But I'm okay with it all now. You know, it's uh, it was just part of my journey. Uh, but definitely, I was good enough to go to the Olympics. But did I deserve to go? Probably not, because I didn't put in the work and the effort that you needed to put in. So in a situation like that, you know, uh, where you were, you know, dealt this cruel hand of fate, or in this situation, your left hand, you know, where you missed out the Olympic dream, you could sort of go one or two ways. You could completely fall into the more maybe uh, detrimental detrimental lifestyle, uh, and you know, and say, well, what's boxing ever give for me? And you know, and do the sort of boohoo scenario, or you know, you can keep on trucking, keep on fighting, and. Um, you know, winning more amateur titles and then eventually turning pro and like now, like now, you know, you're going to be fighting on Sky Sports, which is obviously what you did. I mean, was that, was it a catalyst then to make uh, a change? Um, I'd like to say it was, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it did, def it definitely affected me in a lot, and I tried to hide it as well. I tried to, I wouldn't tell the truth how it happened and I was making up lies and, and I couldn't be like, you know, there's you know, to thine own self be true. You know, just be true to yourself, and that's all you have to be in life. And I, I couldn't even be true to myself. I was lying to myself and lying to other people about how my hand, ha you know, how it happened. And I said I met up this big yarn that it happened when I fell at a football, a local football team's winning celebrations and stuff like that. Just ridiculous stuff. But I was so worried about how people would perceive me and how people would, what people would think of me. And but I had to, I had to kind of. I had to kind of get to work on all of that kind of stuff. And it, that didn't happen until two years, well, another year after. So early 2012, I finally said enough is enough. And I asked for a bit of help and support to deal with these underlying issues that I had, uh, mental health issues and um, just some struggles and demons that were going on. And just to try and make sense of it all and find out why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I'm thinking the way I'm thinking and why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. You know, if I could... I could understand maybe I could maybe do something about it and um, yeah so I kind of went into looking for a bit of uh, professional help and got some support and just before the Olympics were due to kind of 
the London Olympics were due to kick off, I was back boxing because I always went back boxing. And I know that it was interesting that you said, you know, that's the kind of, when an event like that happens or an incident like that, it can be the catalyst for change or it can be uh, the kind of um, reason for, you know, a, a decline and an even worse one. Um, but at that point, I always felt like I wanted I wanted a better life. I wasn't happy with what I was doing, the way I was living. I wanted I wanted a good life. I wanted a happy life, not in a materialistic sense. I just wanted to be happy and free myself. And I always felt that boxing, as a young kid, it gave me so much joy and it gave me so much hope. And I was able to express myself and channel all of this energy that I had into something very positive. So I wanted to get back to basics. And I went back to the gym and I wasn't even thinking about competing again. And I was kind of, made my peace with the Olympics and all, but I was back doing a bit of training and Katie Taylor's team rang me then just before, I think it was about four weeks before the Olympics. I was back punching at the time uh, with my, with my, with my uh, injured hand. And they said, Eric, you know, we'd love to, Katie has, you know, Katie's going to the Olympics and, you know, her number one rival is, is the Russian girl, Sofia Ochigava, and she's a southpaw. And she's a big threat to Katie. We want to prepare for her by using one of the best outpaws in Ireland. And will you come to uh, Italy to the training camp with us and spark Katie and, you know, get her ready? And initially I didn't want to go. I was kind of feeling a bit selfish and feeling a bit self-centeredness. And I thought, couldn't think of anything worse than going to an tra Olympic training camp as a sparring partner. I wanted to go to the Olympics, you know. I, want, I knew all my, my teammates were going to be there as well, uh, all the lads. And... Um, and I just kind of felt like I should have been there. But I had to change, you know. I had to change how I was looking at life and how I was looking at myself. And I went out there. I said, yes, here's, here's well, here's, here, here's a woman with the hopes of a nation on her shoulders to win an Olympic gold medal. And she's asking me to help her. So I had to see it as a privilege and an honor. And, and I went over to Italy and we sparred every single day uh, in Assisi. And... Uh, and Katie went on to win the Olympic gold medal, which, and it was just really nice to be a small little part of the, of that journey and, and her success. And what an incredible athlete she is. And then when I got back from the training camp, RTE rang me, the national broadcaster, and they, they invited me on to be a pundit for the, for the Olympic Games. And so it kind of felt like I was involved in the Olympics in a lot of ways, but obviously just not from a competitive standpoint. But um, yeah. That's that was that, I suppose. Um, it's very interesting you were just saying that you actually went out and, and sought professional help and all. Um, because I think 2011, 2012, that was sort of before. I I'm just I don't actually have statistics, but I'm, it's, it's sort of before this whole mental health awareness became so like you know, prevalent. prevalent. Yeah, like yeah you know, actually knew to talk about it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, to me, I got was I was maybe 18 back then and. It just was not the done thing, you know, talking about mm. uh, a situation yeah. they have, or and, and definitely not going actually seeking mental health, you know, or like you know, yeah, our professional help to, for your mental yeah. health and things like that. And um, was was that a really uh, tough decision, or was it just a, a a must do? Yeah, it was very tough, very tough. I have to say that, like you know, I uh, there's no point, kind of, like like you have to be straight about these things, you know. It's easy for some. It's easier for for some people and more difficult for others. Um, but but to, for for anybody, I think to ask for help, it is a difficult thing to do, and especially when you're a boxer and you're a champion boxer from the age of eleven. I was the champion of Ireland. I, in a sport of 
boxing. Boxing is synonymous with being, you know, brave and courageous and strong and macho and you know what I mean? You're like, you know, you're, you're, you're a warrior, you know? So like, I never felt that I could feel depressed or anxious or lonely or, you know, all of these things like, or I never felt that it was okay for me to feel that way because I was a champion boxer. Um, but I got to a point in my life where I had no other options. I had to ask for help because I knew the way I was going wasn't how I envisaged life to be as a young kid. You know, we all have dreams and aspirations and my life, life just was not turning out the way I had thought it should turn out. And why was that? And, you know, I needed to find out why that was and what was going on. And, and, I always felt like I was, I was tough and I was strong and all, but I tell you something, one of the best, I would say it was the hardest, but one of the best decisions I've ever made in my whole life was actually really putting out my hand and asking for help and speaking openly and honestly about my internal struggles and my mind and my thoughts and my vulnerability. And that has made me feel more stronger now as a man than any fight, any win, any competition, anything I've ever done out, you know, in sport or in life, just I, there's nothing greater for me to stand than to stand up in a in a room full of young teenagers, or if I go to schools, or if I go to sports clubs, or um, businesses, companies, whatever, and stand up and speak openly and honestly as a human being about life and give it to people straight and not dolly it up and you know, dress it up. And I think that there is one of the greatest achievements of my life. My recovery, I'm in recovery today. You know, I'm a, I'm a teetotaler. I don't drink, I don't drug, I don't, do, I don't gamble. I don't do any of those things because they're all, all of those things could be detrimental to me. You know, it would be insidious for me to, to engage in such behavior. So I live, I live a life of recovery today and I have freedom in my life. And I'm not bound down by the shackles of addiction or I'm not a slave to my addiction. I'm a free man and I'm free to express myself and I'm a free, a fully functioning human being. And I love it. Yeah. Do you think, um, Eric, is that what sort of attracted you? And I'm sure you're already friends through the amateur ranking and stuff, but with, with Kenny Egan, as your trainer, because obviously he's very vocal and, and you're trained as a counsellor, as is he. He's very um, vocal and open about his past with alcohol addiction and, you know, he, he goes to talks, he comes to talks here in Belfast and stuff all the time mm. as well. Mm. Is that something, like, in your personality traits, is that, are you, would you be quite similar in that? Like, would you guys talk about that or is that what sort of attracted you to him to coach you? Um, not, no, what... Just because myself and Ken are good pals anyway. So we the funny thing is me and Ken kind of went off the rails together, but we kind of came into, well, he kind of started changing his life a little, a year or two before me. Um, and, but we've just always remained in touch and we've always kept close together. Like, and I really had much respect. For, I had a lot of respect for him when he started changing his life around, but I never thought I was as bad or never thought I was, you know, gone that far but it wasn't long after another year or two when I kind of felt like you know I was no different you know I needed help too and um and then I actually went you know once you know about a year after about a year after I start I, I changed my life around and 
and asked for a bit of help and support. I actually went back into that area of counseling psychotherapy and I did a two year diploma, full time diploma uh, course in the Thai. And when I was on my second year, Kenneth started the started that diploma then. You know, I think I inspired Kenneth to go on to do that because he was very interested. Uh, I used to talk to him about it and how it was and, you know, how, how, how great this, this, this course was and, you know, the development in it, the personal growth and, and, you know, just, I just thought like, well, I was just, I was just highlighting the fact that it was really a, a brilliant thing and a great move. And then Ken felt like, you know, you know, maybe that's something that, he'd like to do himself and then you know he decided to go and do it and 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 he's working in that area now and he's very very good he's a lot to offer and um, but in terms of coaching and stuff we just kind of we just kind of got together and did a few sessions like we always did some pads or some just some odd training sessions and um and then eventually we just kind of went full time at it the two of us uh, i asked ken if he'd be able to if he'd be able to come on full time and he said he said he would try his best. He said, um, we'll have to sit down together and work our schedules out and hopefully we can put something in place. And that's what we did. And, you know, here we are 12, 12 fights later and um, we're 12 and 0 and we're on the verge of a world ranking title fight. So it's a good news story. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, you said 12 fights. There's like 12 very successful fights there. You're being humble there. <laughs> Um, so then coming up then to actually turn him pro, like at the age of 31, what made you think, right, this is it then I'm just going to do it now. Like, because, um, like I know you started your own uh, exercise and fitness business and then obviously you had the counseling diploma. Um, yeah. you know, did you always think in the back of your head, oh no, well, I'm still going to go back to the box. I'm going to go pro and make money off the boxing and get a, a title shot and things like that. And what was the turning point then? Well, I tell you what it was. In 2012, after the Olympics, I didn't know what to do. I knew I hadn't got another four years in my another four years to go to stick around for the Rio Olympics, and I had two young boys and all at that time as well. And I had to. I just felt like you know, what do I do with my life? I was going on. Um, I was 27 at the time, and uh, someone suggested the World Series of Boxing, and I don't know if you know much about it. But it was a it was a thing that went on for a few years, four or five years, World Series of Boxing. It was kind of a competition set up by the World Amateur Association to give amateur boxers the chance to box other amateurs in a professional capacity, but you still keep your amateur status. Um, and I just threw my name in the draft, not knowing or not expecting to be picked because only tw- there's only 12 franchises in the world involved and um, they can only pick three or four foreign boxers. So I put my name in and lo and behold, I got picked. And I remember my coach rang me up and he goes, you got picked for the World Series of Boxing. I said, no way. Really? Who picked me? And I was saying, please say Italy because Italy were sponsored by Dolce Gabbana and they had a, they had all the best. <laughs> they had Dolce Gabbana suits and gear. You're looking kid out. So, um, he said, no, Kazakhstan. Bora? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if any of you have seen the film Bora, but I had, only, <laughs> I had only seen the film Bora a couple of weeks before that. So it was kind of, um, <laughs> I was like, what? So it was kind of like, 
it was mad. It was a mad, mad experience because, um, funny enough, I went. I made the I made the decision to go to Kazakhstan, and I thought the Borat film was a terrible injustice to the Kazakh people because they're lovely people. They're, Did they take off by it? I remember reading that at the time. They were very annoyed about that film. <laughs> they were, were they really were. See, I believe, or I think the film was made in Romania anyway. It wasn't even made in Kazakhstan <laughs> to make it even worse. Um, but um, it, you know something like you know, I just kind of felt like I needed an adventure, and I went out there and spent eight months out there. And it was very, very tough. And but I grew up out there. I felt like I felt like I developed and, and and learned a lot about myself. And you know, I started to learn the Russian language out there just so I could communicate with the my coach. And and I just felt it was a very a, a really worthwhile experience uh, for me, and definitely one that had a massive positive impact on on my life. And we won the whole competition, so I came home with a world gold medal, which was fantastic. Uh, but when I got back in May 2013, I I was going I was 27 going on 28, and I just I remember not being number one in Ireland anymore, not having funding, not having any work experience, not having any education because I gave up on that, and I was standing in the queue signing on the dole, and I and I just said, this is not how life is supposed to be you know this wasn't the vision I had for myself I I traveled the world and represented my country and I had so much um cultural education and geographical geographical kind of experiences and all that but that wasn't going to pay the bills you know mm -hmm. I had a lot of success in terms of like boxing success and that but here I was standing on standing in the queue to sign on the dole and it just didn't feel good at all and it was at that point that I decided to pack in boxing not so much as in like make a big official announcement or anything. I just said, Hey, look, I'm just stepping back. And, um, and I, I, I started looking at going back into education and in 2013, at the end of 2013, well, September, I started a two, a two year full-time diploma course and graduated in 2015 and is about to go for my degree. I was still training and doing a few spars here and there, but I didn't have any fights. And I was two years retired, going on nearly three years retired. And I was about to go for my degree. And uh, I had this voice coming back in my head saying, like, you know, Eric, I think you have another round. I think you have another redemption. You know, it's kind of like you have something left to offer this game, you know. And I was kind of arguing with myself. It was almost like, no, I gave enough of my life to boxing. I'm done now. I need to move on to different things. And and then this kind of, um, it's it was this, Never, it was a very strong emotion and, and voice that was kind of like speaking to me. And it was like, Eric, you've given most of your life to boxing and you've achieved so much while under great stress, dysfunction, um, it, problems, issues, and you still won this and that and this and this and you've done so much. Imagine now, here you are, you're, so, you're, you're, you're in recovery for over like two years, three years nearly. You're flying. You have an education now, that you have a foundation of an education to fall back on. You're more cuter. You're more mature. You're more educated. And you're still young enough. You're healthy enough. Imagine you could actually, imagine what you could achieve now. And the, the, the kind of, um, the decision that I came to, that I came to in the end was that, um, 
I can always go back and do my education, but I, I can't always go back and box. So I said, hey, come on, let's do this. Let's give it a lash, you know. And, and that was it. In 2016, I thought, like, wouldn't it be great to actually put the closing chapters, write the closing chapters to my boxing story my way, instead of looking back always, like, you know, with the, with the, the failed Olympic attempt and the, the, the unfortunate circumstances around that. Wouldn't it be great to look back on a more positive way and say, hey, not many people get second chances. I got a second chance. And now I'm going to do it my way and finish it my way. And look, and be content when I do hang off the gloves. And that was it. And here I am now, uh, turned pro at 30, well, just, yeah, a month before my 31st birthday, and I'm 35 in a couple of weeks, and uh, I'm going to be on the big stage, you know, I'm going to be dining at the top table, um, and uh, I can't wait for it. Absolutely. Um, that's amazing. I, it like, is, I love it, that That's story. a brilliant story, definitely. Uh, Talking talk more just a little on the um, the more technical side of things, then. Uh, do you find that being having such a, a vast experience uh, in the amateur game was that uh, you know did that put you on a good platform then for turning pro, or actually because you were an amateur for so long at such a high level, did you know was was it was a whole lot of the transition taking over bad habits that you know the pro game will consider the amateur game has. You know, sitting on your punches, things like this. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it definitely did take a lot to make the transition. And to be honest with you, I'm still making the transition. Every day is a school day. Mm-hmm. Every day is a learning day. And um, because I was so amateur, you know, there's, there's, you know, I was an amateur's amateur. You know what I mean? I was really one of these like old, old style southpaws, pick and move up on my toes awkward to hit and I knew that you can't box that tempo in the professional game it's just not possible to keep that tempo up and that intensity up especially when you're boxing over 10 and 12 round fights uh, so you have to kind of be a little bit more uh, strategic and um, settle down a little bit and come down a bit and you know that that takes time that doesn't happen overnight so even after four years I'm still learning and making that uh, that transition, but I am, I do feel right now that I am at my best ever, uh, in terms of even when I was at my best as an amateur, I really believe that the way I'm performing now, the way I'm sparring, the way I'm, my mental state, my, my, my physical strength, my, my abilities, my speed, my everything. It's just, I, I have never, I can never remember a time in my life when I was actually better than this. So that's so reassuring. And I think a lot of that is down to how I live, how I live my life. I, you know, I do the simple things and I do them right. You know, I'm not, I'm just like an ordinary man um, doing ordinary things uh, on a consistent basis. And that leads to extraordinary results, you know, and I, it's not um, rocket science. You know, I'm just, I'm just the, I'm, I'm a role model type of um athlete now you know um it's kind of I, i'm the athlete now that my young self should have looked up to do you understand yeah yeah you know like people talking about oh you like you came quite late to the professional ranks because you're in your early 30s but a lot of the time you know you can have like a 21 year old that doesn't have the emotional maturity or the mental capacity like their head could be away with it you know they're just interested in partying and stuff and um they don't have that sort of mental capacity to deal with the discipline that boxing requires but then you can have someone that's 35 like yourself and they do and then that's going to drive 
the physicality of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and that's how I look at it, you know. I do I do believe that, you know, even though someone in their you know, maybe in their early twenties might have might might be might trump me in terms of speed and maybe uh probably just speed. But like when it comes to uh mental strength, when it comes to life experiences, when it comes to um boxing experiences when it comes to maturity when it comes to being able to handle situations that 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 cause you to to a lot of distress especially in a ring when you're in a stressful situation when chaos when you find yourself in the middle of chaos in the ring and your emotions and all of that kind of stuff overwhelmed you and then the lifestyle choices that you're making starts to kind of creep up on you and starts knocking the door and starts affecting you um I feel like I, I, I trump most boxers in my weight category when it comes to when it comes to when it comes to things like this. Mm-hmm. And physical strength is only one thing. You know, you can get out and run at loads of kilometers and loads of miles and you can punch the bag and everything else. But upstairs, you know, upstairs is where you gotta believe in yourself, you know, and in your heart you have to be absolutely convinced and convinced in yourself, in your ability and not be distracted by the noise uh, on the outside and that's where I feel like I am in a brilliant position because I've been brave enough and courageous enough to ask for support and ask for help and to, and, and to work on them and to maximize them and to get myself into this position. So I do, I do believe that a young kid 25, 26 years of age, maybe hasn't got a hell of a lot of life experiences behind them. I have so much. And when I look back at my past, it's not an area of my life that I am guilty about anymore or or ashamed about or anything. I, I look at my past now as my greatest asset. I look at my past as ca- character building experiences, learning experiences. And here I am standing still standing on, on my two feet and in the best shape of my life, mentally and physically. And it's because I have come through all of those learning experiences and I've, and I've come through all of that adversity. Absolutely. It's definitely turning like, uh, you know, the ultimate case of turning your weaknesses into your strengths. Really, mm-hmm. and, and It's a really good, this is really good marketing ploy too for the fight. Everyone's going to, I'm sure, psyched now to watch you <laughs> in August. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great buzz around the fight. I really do. Um, and, you know, they say in life you make your own luck, you know, and I'm I'm under no illusion that I I, I have ma- I'm not here by no I'm not here by any chance. This mm-hmm. is me. Um, I'm going to face destiny on the 14th of August, right in the center of the ring, and me and destiny is going to have a right good shakeup. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do have one. I'm afraid to say, very daunting challenge uh, coming right now. In that, <laughs> at the end of every podcast, we play these games. <laughs> we're just going okay. to <laughs> okay so they're pure quick fire okay so mine is basically you're building yourself your perfect boxer so i'll say like attributes like chin heart stamina and then you can say yourself Mark, by the don't be afraid of saying yourself um or you can pick any pro boxer any amateur boxer anyone you've sparred dead alive retired um so like for example if you could pick the chin if you could have the chin of any boxer who would it be Wayne McCullough. Good, yeah. And the heart? 
Uh, Mickey Ward. That's a good. That's a pretty common one. Yeah. Uh, stamina. Um, stamina. Oh, Steve Collins. Uh, right hand power. Right hand power. Andy Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's popular. And left hand power then. <laughs> Amy McGee. Oh, yeah, that's really good. I haven't had that one. Footwork. John John Evan. And boxing IQ. Um, Ryan Burnett. This boxer wouldn't be Irish, Benny Chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, Han Speed. Han Speed. Eric Donovan. Yeah, um, that's good. That was, that was a really good eclectic mix. Yeah, very sharp as well. People really stop and stop. Have you been asked this before? Have you done it? <laughs> oh no, I haven't. I haven't. I'm just. A, I'm. I'm. I'm very passionate about boxing, you know. And I'm. 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 I just. I'm. I'm. I know so much about boxing. I just love it. And uh, yeah, I just really. You know, I, I. I didn't prepare for this, but like these are all very very simple to me they come to me very very quickly and yeah. um, I wouldn't change it absolutely um, so mine is just a quick fire round just going to ask you questions and you you empty that brain of yours and just say the first thing that comes to your head uh, if you weren't a boxer what would you be? Uh, probably just working in construction or something like that I think mm-hmm. Because my two brothers and my father work in construction, so I'd I'd, I'd say that seems to be the obvious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, best opponent you shared a ring with, so sparring or a fight or. Lomachenko. Yeah. That, yeah. That'll do it. Eh? <laughs> uh, favorite sport other than boxing? Uh, football. Okay. Who do you sport? Um, uh, I'm not big into it. I grew up following Manchester United, but oh, I just yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, uh, my my, my fiance is Liverpool, and she's absolutely a diehard fan. And her whole fan. I'm gonna have her on next. Then. She's, they're, they're, yeah, they're, <laughs> and she she actually she is a former uh, women's under 17s national uh, assistant coach as well. Oh, uh, for, yeah. So she's UEFA licensed coach and um, very 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 very. Uh, uh, experience in football, um. So yeah, I don't. I, I'm not overly passionate. But I grew up following Manchester United because my dad did and my older brother did and that. But like, I just, I just enjoy watching football now. I don't care if United lost. I, it wouldn't bother me. <laughs> Probably for the best, they lose a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, pound for pound, best in the world right now is. I think Lomachenko. Yeah, yeah, that's so what, as a wee said too. A lot of people say that. Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson? Muhammad Ali. Favorite fighter to watch growing up? I loved watching Wayne McCullough, and um, Prince Nassim was my hero, though. Mm, yeah. And when they fought each other, I was really torn. <laughs> I was just about to ask that. Yeah, yeah. how did you get yeah. on that? <laughs> yeah, I was really, really torn. I am. Um, I didn't want I didn't want either of them to lose. I just like it was terrible. It was like one of these things. But uh, 
No, uh, Nassim was Nassim was my hero, and but but I, I loved McCullough as well. So. It probably worked out all right then, because McCullough put up such a good, you know, front half, or and put and Nassim still got the win or whatever. So he did, yeah. Probably worked out well. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you could change one thing about boxing, what would it be? Oh, uh, I know that this is going to be hard to do, mm-hmm. but I would just try to maybe invent some fair and just way of scoring fights. Mm. Yeah. If it was uh, some sort of a, maybe a device or um, Real mechanism. Scientific. That, yeah, something really scientific based that's not going to affect the actual fight, but will be able to kind of calculate all of all of the uh, different elements of the fight and to uh, to present the, the the correct winner every time because yeah. I I I I I don't like in injustices in boxing. I think it's very sad because I know how hard people work and I know the effort and lengths that they go to. That would be one and but. There's also I would I would also like to change the drug cheats as well. Like yeah, I, I think I think a life ban. If you even if you even get caught once, it should be a life ban. I think because it's, it's yeah. too dangerous, too dangerous to mess around with. No, that's it. You mean you shouldn't even be trying to experiment. And yeah, I like your point about you know something to make it easier for the judges, or well, just so that judges can't you know mm. rob boxers. Something that makes it less, I think, interpretive and objective. Yeah. Uh, solid and clear mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. absolutely in a perfect world God knows if we'll ever get it but <laughs> true um, next question what advice would you give to a 21 year old Eric Donovan um, probably just to um, ask for help sooner no <laughs> <laughs> um no, um, I, I would say, like, you know, there is no substitute for hard work. You know, you can have all the talent in the world. You can be as gifted and, and as, as skilled as, as you want. But if you're not prepared to put in the work, then it's no good to you. It's literally no good to you. So I would just tell people, and I still tell people this today, work, work, work. Become, if you want to be the champion at whatever you do, no matter what you become obsessed. Become obsessed. And be a freak, be a fitness freak. Live in the like, not just live in the gym, but every day you gotta think about how you are, how are you getting better, how you're going to get better, how you're going to get better. Not talking about doing like, not not doing complicated things. Just doing very simple things, regularly, consistent, consistently, and over time, that will help you to 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 become world class. Mm-hmm. what's that thing you always say it's like hard work beats talent hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard yeah Shine, that's it that's it <laughs> that's <the> yeah <laughs> and that's a good one as well because it's never you know it's so true because I've seen it myself and it happened to me too I got beat by guys that wouldn't have a half the percentage of talent that they have but they were prepared to work harder you know they were the guys turning up in the gym so they beat me and it's true. It's true saying, you know, it's a very, you know, life boxing and everything else is very simple, you know, but people complicate it, you know, 
mm-hmm. we complicate our lives by lots of other things, interferences and outside distractions, whatever. But you know, it's very simple. All you do is turn up, be consistent, and put in the work. That's it. Not asking you to do anything other than be consistent, and then you should get your just rewards. Absolutely. You know, if you're not going to be consistent, if you're not going to put in the work, then it's like the person that wants the PhD but don't want to study. You know? Yeah, yeah. It just it's not possible. Can have one without the other, of course. Mm. Um, so the next one's sort of a desert island question. You can only watch one fight again for the rest of your life. What is it? Ooh, um, my God, there's been some cracking fights out there. I thought, um, I thought Golovkin, Canelo, um, they fought twice. Uh, any of those fights, they were brilliant. Yeah. I loved the first one. I, I, I just thought the first one was great. And I know everyone says Gatti Ward. And that was great as well. And Ali Fraser had great fights and all that as well. But just more from a modern era. I thought the boys were, I thought the boys were, I thought that was a fantastic fight. I thought it was some entertainment. So, yeah. Either of those. Yeah, very, very enjoyable fights. Um, this is the very last question. And then you've, you've completed his and her boxing. Um, <laughs> uh, so, it, it is a tricky one. Your autobiography is released tomorrow morning. What is the title? Ooh, Redemption. Uh, that, yeah. that sounds like a movie too. Yeah. Could be <laughs> made into a motion picture film. Eric, Eric Donovan, Redemption. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Eric, thank you so much. Also, what is the, so what is your, I know obviously you want to get this fight over you, it's one step at a time sort of thing, but what pre-COVID, post-COVID, you know, what is your plan? What do you want for the end of the year? Ideally, well, I, ideally, my goal was the European title, mm-hmm. and I was I'm, I've just moved into the top ten, the European rankings at the start of this year. So I thought maybe around the end of this year, I'm going to look at maybe getting a shot. Then the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic happened, and I kept training through the whole lockdown in the hope that, you know, you never know when the opportunity knocks, you got to be ready. And, um, and it has knocked and I'm ready. And so my initial plan to go for an, an initial goal to go for a European title may now just be enhanced. And there might, there, like after this fight, it could be, I could be in pole, I could be in a position for a world title. So mm-hmm. it's just like, I, I'm just li- I'm I'm having the time of my life, you know. I'm having the time of my life right now. I'm I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm doing what I love to do, which is box, and I'm in big fights, and I have a great opportunity. And it's not like I'm like every single day thinking, oh, I'm going to be world champion. I want to be world champion. I just I just want to compete, and I just want to go as far as I can go. And if a world title shot comes my way, I'd be absolutely over the moon. But I do believe. I do genuinely believe that um, a European title shot is well within my grasp. It's well within my reach. And I could be there. I was hoping to be there this year. COVID has probably postponed that by a year. But, hey, you know, I don't mind postponing my dreams for a year if they're going to become a reality. Mm-hmm. And my wedding was postponed. I was due to get married um, to my beautiful fiance Laura, at, Thursday week, the 9th of July, Aww. and in Spain, and um, we postponed that to next uh, to next April, and um, so <laughs> devastated. But there was a silver lining with with getting the fight on Sky. So <laughs> Laura's still down. 
Laura's devastated and I'm kind of happy but like I'm trying to say to her we're still getting married you know it's just two months down down the line so but I it's all good one door closes another one opens you never know what's gonna come out with yeah, that that's it she just has to wait a couple more months to become Mrs. Mrs. White Lightning so she's gonna be all right. <laughs> The best. All right, thank you so much and good luck with your fight. We'll be so excited to watch it, man. We'll be like, God, we'll be tweeting you and writing to you after and everything. Absolutely. Ah, appreciate it. No, thank you very much. I really appreciate the call. So, You're best of luck, guys, with the, with the podcast. And uh, yeah, get behind me on the 14th. Thank you. Um, I really loved Eric's whole entire story. I felt very inspired. Um, don't know if it's because I'm hormonal or emotional in general. I think I was half crying a wee bit through it. <laughs> Movie needs to, be made out, needs to be made out of this man's life. And I do like it really, not just because he's Irish and all the rest of it, but I, I do hope he, he wins this fight. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's just such a nice story too. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, like he said himself, he called his book Redemption and this would be a real nice... Uh, like a movie. Yeah, it is. Because like it, it is fairy tale sort of stuff um, and it really adds to the fight and it just makes me more excited for the return of boxing the return of proper boxing not these sort of <laughs> American I don't know what they're called so, so called boxing shows don't be slobbering with the Yanks too much like yeah. we'll need them we do we will need them um, but yeah that is it from us this week I wanted to do, actually do a wee shout out um, to Lee if anyone's listened this far Lee ran this is right so we're putting this out on the 1st of July Lee ran 10k every day the entire month of June and I know like this isn't about us this podcast is about boxing and the boxers but it's well done they just wanted to give you a wee shout out in the pod so everyone knows <laughs> thanks very much it's because you're probably fed up by me every roofing and plasters and stuff every time you come home from the shop i swear to god i'm just so glad it's over like yeah well because that's because you run 5k every day for the, for yeah i was the waiting for you to shout out there jeez <laughs> I, I i just wanted i assume people are going to stop and give a mild applause <laughs> so pause. We'll, just, we'll pause Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. That was really, really, really great. Well, we we'll say I ran 5K every day and Lee ran uh, 10K every day. And as I've said a million times, he's heard me say this so many times. I go to Tenerife, Lee has to go to Lavenrife. <laughs> also, someone up me. But yeah, um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at His and Her Boxing. Uh, I'm sure you're listening to us via one of the major streaming platforms. But yes, we are on them all. So share, give it a wee review, and tell your family, friends, granny, dogs, everyone to listen. And um, boxing's back! Woo! Woo! See ya!